Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we're talking about the factor of age in football. A research organisation has analysed the ages of teams in Europe and found it's important for clubs to have half of their players under the age of 27. Well, Africa is well known for gifted young players with raw talent. So what's the right balance of young players and older players? We speak to a former Zimbabwe youth captain. There's these young boys that you need to, when you need the fast game, fast breaks, and especially in the front, you need those young and energetic guys who can make the other defenders of the opposition team, you know, tire. We'll be going in-depth on this, and also we talk about the incredible goal-scoring exploits of Egypt's Mohamed Salah at Liverpool. Salah himself has now scored more than the entire goal tally of five Premier League teams. That's coming up later. But first, it was an amazing weekend last weekend in the CAF Champions League as four countries for the first time have teams making it through to the group stage. Teams from Uganda, Botswana, Swaziland and from Togo. Port of Togo beat Giants Al-Hilal of Sudan on away goals. KCCA of Uganda beat Ethiopia's St. George. Mbabani Swallows of Swaziland did well to knock out Zanaco of Zambia. And Township Rollers of Botswana beat Tanzania's Young Africans 2-1 on aggregate. So those countries will be there for the first time in the group stage of the Champions League. Defending champions Widad Casablanca and record eight-time winners Al-Athli made it through. And the group stage runs from May until August. It's going to be an interesting edition of the competition this year in the CAF Champions League. Well, now to our main topic on the show today. It is age. A research organisation called the CIES Football Observatory has taken a look at the age structure of teams and how age relates to success. After analysing the age structure of teams from 31 top division European leagues, they found that the youngest champions are to be found in the Netherlands, with an average age of 24.2 years, where teams pay high attention to the training and development of youngsters. At the other extreme, champions in Cyprus had the oldest squads, with an average age of 28.8 years. Well, they concluded that generally clubs that are more competitive have older squads. Between 2009 and 2017, the average age of champions in the five major European leagues was 26.5 years old. So they conclude that it's important for clubs to have half of their players under 27 and half of them 27 and over. Well, David Sengu is a former captain of Zimbabwe's under-17, under-20 and under-23 national teams. He also played for the senior national team as a defender and midfielder. He's now retired and assistant coach of a Division I side. I asked Sengu first how his play was as a teenager. You know, when you're playing as a teenager, you make loads of decisions uh, quickly, just pass the ball quickly to your teammate, but the energy will be there. You can run and run and run 120 minutes without fear or, or anything. So at that point you got the enthusiasm, but uh, you lack maybe the, the, the mental know-how. When did you start to get wiser in your play? 
uh, Steve, you start to get wiser when you reach the age of 21, 22, because that time I was more in the national team now, because you'll be playing with older guys. Some of them will be playing you know, in Europe, where you develop as a player mentally, physically, technically. So everything that you do, you'll be improving each and every day. And then, uh, let's say, when you get into your late 20s, even turn 30, do you really notice that your body's starting to slow down a bit? Yeah, 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 Steve. You'll notice it, especially on the pre-season, you know, when you'll be doing those uh, cardiovascular and uh, everything training, which requires uh, more energy. Uh, you start uh, to, to tire a little bit, but still you'll be playing bits and pieces of short sprints, you know, going up, going down. So maybe in the change of positions as well. When you used to play as a winger, you tried to duplicate coming the central midfield or you'll be more of a striker. So I think uh, everything generally comes back to when you grow older. You don't do th- things that are hard. You do things that can suit your body. So you use your know-how to be in the right places, to, to react in, in the right way, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially the reaction part, it will be more importantly used on the psychological you know, aspect of you as a player, when to go and when not to go. When I was playing for Cape United, uh, you know, one of the top clubs in Zimbabwe, uh, I played there for most of my career. So when I moved to Triangle, played in the first division, I changed a bit from being a right-back to a centre-back, to a defensive midfielder because of the pass, because I was now a little bit slower than when I was before I reached 30. So was there an age when you'd say that you were at your peak all round, mentally and physically? Yes, 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 Steve. Especially when I reached the age of 25 to 30, that's when I, I started to believe on myself and saying, now I'm really mature. And even the youngsters were coming behind me, they would say, no, we have got our own elder in the team. You know, so I think between the age of 25 to 30, that's when you'll be on your peak. So now you're involved in coaching. Uh, in your view, what's the ideal makeup of a team in terms of the balance of youngsters and veteran players? Uh, you, Steve, that, uh, you need to balance, especially when your team depends uh, with the composition and the type of system that you want to play. Uh, it's either you have to you have 19 to 22 year olds, then 25 to 27, then obviously you have the veterans of the team, maybe three or four of them, so that uh, when you have those games that you need big names or those big guys in your team uh, age-wise, and then there's these young boys that you need to, when you need the fast game, fast breaks, and especially in the front. You need those young and energetic guys who can make the other defenders of the opposition team, you know, tire. Then you bring on the, the experience later on. So you'd be more inclined to use your real youngsters up front and have older players at the back? Yeah, I think uh, that way, even in Europe, if you we, if we can look at it now, they have got their old guy, older guys at the back, in the, even in the middle of the pack, maybe one or two. Then the rest will be youngsters, especially on the wing-backs and the forwards, because of the energy. Because at the centre-back, you need someone who is good at timing, tackling, and when to, when not to. I think so. 
What about the goalkeeper? Zimbabwe went to the Africa Cup of Nations last year with a 20-year-old goalkeeper, Tatenda Mukuruva. Um, but uh, you often see some very old keepers are playing well into their late 30s. Yeah, yeah. As for goalkeepers, I think you mature with age. And uh, if you look at it in, in Europe, maybe if you go back to the World Cup, you see Adari now is 45 this year. And uh, we had Thomas Nkono from Cameroon. Sometime he was almost like 38. Gigi Buffon, Italian, is in his 40s now. But when he played the World Cup, I think he was almost like 38, 36 to 38. And so you need the experience of the goalkeepers. Perche right now is 34. So I think you need that experience on goalkeepers because it's not easy when you're young. You make mistakes. The confidence will be low. And everything, decision-making as well, you will not be making correct decisions. Well, that's David Sengu, former captain of Zimbabwe's under-17, under-20 and under-23 national teams, also played for the senior national team too, giving us his thoughts on age. Well, Solomon, this research says that half of your squad should be under 27. What are your thoughts about the factor of age? Though this uh, research was done uh, exclusively with European club sites, uh, and in Europe, the development of a young player through the different age group competitions and how he gets to play in the first team is quite different from, from Africa. Uh, and I wonder what the result would be if a similar uh, research was done in, in Africa and seeing how, how they develop. Uh, but one of the questions to also ask is, uh, would the success be consistent with young players? If you have great young talent, would, would the success be consistent? Uh, so that's where I think yeah, you need a blend of, of uh, younger players, uh, you know, under 27 and on over 27, a mix of 50-50 maybe. Uh, not for every team, but, but to be able to determine what, what you get out of it. You know, it's good to get all the players because they, they bring in a sense of leadership uh, and they bring in a lot of experience. So it's very important. You know, we've seen other younger players going into Europe from Africa, like Kanu Wanko for Ajax, Benny Makati, Steven Pina. We've seen uh, Emmanuel Lamonique. We've seen George Finidi. Uh, we've seen Victor Moses. We've seen a lot of young players uh, from Cameroon going into France and, and doing well. Uh, but success and, and also competitiveness definitely need the mix of that. And I think uh, uh, H is plays quite a bit of a bit of role there. And also, I think with with younger players, uh, some sometimes when you have younger players and you put them out there, they may achieve success. They may win the league one season, but they might just be a one-hit wonder. Uh, second season, they might struggle. But for you to have some sort of consistency over three to five years, maybe uh, of really playing at the top and winning trophies, you need to be able to have a, a mix of of both. Because I feel that is uh, definitely very very important. Right, well, thanks, Solomon. Let's hear now from a global star who shone as a teenager, Liverpool and England striker Michael Owen, who also played for Real Madrid, Newcastle and Manchester United. He told Stuart that he was at his best as a teenager. Oh, definitely, yeah. They were the best years of my my career, certainly. I was at the top of my game. I mean, that's if there's one thing that I look back on, regret is probably the wrong, wrong word, but is that I wasn't, you know, at the top of my game for, for longer because um, certainly in the first sort of two or three years at Liverpool was when I was at my best as a, as a football player and I got a, a devastating injury away at Leeds when I was only 19 that pretty much compromised me for the, well, for the rest of my career in many ways. Um, also proud of the fact that I was compromised and that I still played to the, at the highest level for, for so long so that was a, you know, 
thing that pleased me. But no, the one regret is, as I say, not playing, not being at the top of my game for longer because you know you, you can only think, or I can only think, what might have been if that was the case. So that's the great Michael Owen, amazing as a teenager, but as he says, that injury really affected him. Well, let's talk to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK now. Uh, Stuart, there's a classic quote from TV pundit Alan Hansen, a former Liverpool player, and on TV in England, he once said, you can't win anything with kids, referring to Sir Alex Ferguson's youthful Manchester United squad of the early 90s, which, despite Hansen's doubt, went on to become one of the most successful sides ever. Uh, before we get to that, Stuart, uh, Man United had an amazing young side long before then. This is certainly an interesting piece of research, Steve. And with the Munich air disaster where Manchester United lost half their team in a plane crash in 1958, I've actually been reading a book about the team that died. The book is called The Busby Babes, recognising how Sir Matt Busby, the manager at the time, used to look for young players to bring through. And in fact, his recruitment was so successful that for four years in the 1950s, Manchester United did not buy a single player. Everyone came out of their youth team. But of course, that is 60 years ago, and it's a completely different world in the Premier League now. I was also reminded of the Glasgow Celtic team, which won the European Cup or Champions League in 1967, where every player was born within an hour's travel of the Celtic Stadium. Compare that with Manchester City, whose team, if you're lucky, will have one or two players born in the UK, let alone Manchester. Alex Ferguson's first great team at Manchester United is sometimes called the Class of 1992. United had won the FA Youth Cup, that's the under-18s competition, and managed to keep their squad together and introduce them gradually into the first team so that players like Gary Neville, Phil Neville, Paul Scholes, Nicky Butt, David Beckham, Lee Sharp and Ryan Giggs, who had all come out of the 1992 youth team, were in the first team together. But that was a really unique occurrence. The money in the Premier League which gives clubs the ability to buy players for 50 to $100 million, makes it far more difficult for young players to break into the first team. Let me give you two examples of young Chelsea players. Uh, Tammy Abraham played twice for England this year, just after his 20th birthday. But the irony is that although he's a Chelsea player, he's never actually started a game for Chelsea, and he had to go on loan to Swansea City, score four goals in the first seven games of this season to get into the England team. And similarly, Ruben Loftus-Cheek was at Chelsea but only managed six starts in three years and it was only when he went on loan to Crystal Palace, played regularly, that he got into the England team. So it's really difficult for a young player to break into one of the top Premier League teams. And, you know, Marcus Rashford scored two goals for Manchester United against Liverpool. He is an outstanding talent, but he started less than half the games for Manchester United last season and the same again this season. And I mean, last season, he often sat on the bench when the 35-year-old Ibrahimovic was in the starting lineup. And now, there are often articles in our newspapers about the England under-18 team from four or five years ago, and it's striking how few of them have become regular first-team players in the Premier League. And I think part of the problem is the constant change of manager. 
Now, the average stay of a manager in the Premier League is 15 months. Managers know if they do not succeed quickly, they will be out. So they prefer to bring in experienced players they know rather than put their faith in young players. And let me give you one great example of this and also how managerial changes can ruin someone's chances. Nikolai Vlasic, a 20-year-old Croatian player at Everton, he was signed by Everton in September from Hadjud Split by Ronald Koeman. He immediately got into the starting lineup, played several games, including the one where Everton lost 5-2 at home to Arsenal. Koeman was immediately sacked, replaced by Sam Allardyce, a more defensive manager, and Vlasic has been on the pitch for 45 minutes in the last two and a half months. So there's a young player with great ability and great potential, but Allardyce prepares more defensive players and more experienced players. So I think that the research may well be right, but it's going to take a while before the average Premier League manager is convinced that he should put in more young players rather than experienced when he thinks his job is on the line. Right, so there are a lot of factors there affecting the chances of young players getting into the team. Thanks, Stuart. Um, Now, Solomon Africa is well known for exciting young talent. Uh, For example, Nigeria's Kelechi Iheanacho joined Manchester City as a teenager. What do you think that these young African players can do for a team? Young players traditionally bring a lot of enthusiasm to a team. They bring the pace for a team and, and they bring a lot of fearlessness also. There's no cautions for them. And also they, they, they bring a lot of passion, you know, because some of the older players are comfortable in their position and they need to know that, you know, uh, that position is not guaranteed. As, as soon as uh, another player is playing well, we, we need to throw him in. Yes, and it's interesting, Solomon, on the other hand, that one of the first Africans to become famous around the world was very old. as Cameroon's Roger Miller, who was a star of the World Cups of 1990 and 1994. Roger Milas achievement at Italia 90 where he's achieved international stardom at the age of, uh, of 38 and scored four goals in the FIFA World Cup. He helped uh, Cameroon to become the first African team to reach the uh, World Cup uh, quarterfinals. And four years later, again at the age of 42, he became the oldest scorer in World Cup history by scoring against Russia. But I think for me the big thing is for African players to take care of themselves. Make sure you rest enough. Make sure you don't go around and uh, getting involved in too much alcohol, too much partying. But if you get enough rest in your 20s, you know, as an African player, I really do feel that you can, you can play almost too close to your 40s. Yeah, thanks, Solomon. And another African who's kept going is former Ivory Coast and Chelsea striker Didier Drogba, who's announced that he will finally retire from professional football at the end of the 2018 United Soccer League season in the USA. Drogba's now 40. He's currently player-owner for the United Soccer League side Phoenix Rising, playing his third year in American football. Well, this week on social media, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this, the factor of age. What balance of young players and older players do you like to see in a team? 
Do you prefer the speed of youngsters or the experience of the senior players? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What do you think about the factor of age? Do you like lots of youngsters in your squad or more of the senior players? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. You can also listen on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, next on the show, we turn to social media. And on last week's programme, we had a special report from Cameroon, host nation of the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations. There have been doubts over Cameroon's readiness to host the expanded 2014 tournament, and another inspection took place this week. On top of this, there are internal problems at the Cameroon FA, and there's no national team coach at the moment. Morocco were believed to have been ready to take over from Cameroon if the tournament was taken away from Cameroon. But Morocco, who are also bidding to host the 2026 World Cup, have now pledged their support for Cameroon. So we asked, do you think that Cameroon will be ready to host the Nations Cup successfully? Well, first let's hear from Gemo, originally from Cameroon but now living in the United States. I'm optimistic that Cameroon can host a successful tournament, despite all of the internal problems in the Football Association, says Guillermo. Cameroonians love football, and that's what we're mostly known to be good at. On the positive side, this event might bring lots of changes and developments for the game, especially infrastructure-wise. I remain hopeful and prayerful that everything will be in place on time for a great tournament, says Guillermo. Malik Guy in the Gambia agrees. Yes, I think they will host a successful tournament, says Malik, because they are a footballing nation. And Sajo Barrow also in the Gambia agrees, saying they will host a successful AFCON 2019. In Malawi, Ephrathar Kamanga is also supporting Cameroon. They'll do it in a special way and will remember it for ages, says Ephrathar. Sam Chiquilera, also in Malawi, says they can resolve any hindrances and make Africa proud. And Matar Cham in the Gambia believes there's no reason to take the tournament away from Cameroon. I think they could probably host it, considering the fact that there are nations in past years who were able to host successfully, which I think are not as financially strong as Cameroon, says Matar. Noble Botamani in Malawi looks beyond Cameroon's present challenges. The internal problems at the Cameroon FA will not be forever and a national coach will be appointed before next year. So I say Cameroon will be able to host the 2019 AFCON successfully, says Noble. Alpha Jallo in the Gambia agrees and Pa Abdu also in the Gambia says yes I think they can host it because they have plenty of time to settle all the problems before the tournament next year. 
Biswek and Jaqua in Malawi also believes Cameroon will prevail. I don't think it'll be as successful as it was in South Africa, but Cameroon will still host it, says Biswek. Yes, it was in 2013 when South Africa hosted and Nigeria won the title, beating Burkina Faso 1-0 in the final that year. Mohamed in the Gambia believes Cameroon's help from Morocco will make all the difference. Yes, they will run a successful competition, says Mohamed, due to the support from Morocco. John from Ghana is also positive. Yes, Cameroon will be fine, says John, especially with them being the current champions. Also, I don't see any other country hosting it now. But Kitenga Ija Godfrey Allen in Uganda thinks CAF may need to find another country to host. Based on the current situation, the chances are 50-50, says Kitenga Ija. I think the other reason why the Cameroon FA is not doing well is the loss suffered by former CAF president Isa Hayatu in the previous CAF elections. Yes, certainly there were some feelings that the Nations Cup might be taken away from Cameroon as retribution by the new CAF executive to get back at the former president, Isa Hayatu, who's from Cameroon. But uh, there's no evidence to back that up. Paul Bello in Malawi thinks CAF should award the hosting of the tournament to Morocco. Currently, Morocco is stable, says Paul. If Cameroon hosts, it won't be 100% perfect, so give it to Morocco. Yusufa Jobate in the Gambia agrees Cameroon faces a challenge. It'll be a big problem for them to host uh, if they don't solve the problems right now, says Yusufa. And finally, Modu Lamine Marong, also in the Gambia, uh, simply says, no, I don't think Cameroon can host a successful Africa Cup of Nations. Well, thank you so much for all of those opinions. Always great to hear from you. And this week on social media, we're asking, what do you think about the factor of age? As we were discussing earlier, research in Europe suggests that a club should have half of its players under the age of 27. Uh, But Africa is well known for talented young players. So what balance of youngsters and senior players do you like to see in a team? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What do you think about the factor of age? Well, finally, on this week's show, let's go back to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK and talk English football. We'll get to Egypt's Mohamed Salah shortly, but we had the FA Cup quarterfinals last weekend and the semi-final lineup is Manchester United against Tottenham and Chelsea against Southampton. Your thoughts there, Stuart? When we talk about the FA Cup and how important it is, there's no doubt that it's less important than it was 20 or 30 years ago. But I can tell you, for these four clubs who are still involved, who are not going to win the league, and none of them are in the Champions League at this stage, this competition is extremely important for their season. And the other thing that I'm looking for is, what's the chances of an African Cup winner this year? Now, the quarterfinals we had... So Manchester United beating Brighton, Eric Bailly, Cote d'Ivoire was playing and great to see him back at the heart of the Manchester United defence after such a difficult season with injury. Tottenham beat Swansea 3-0 and now they have two African players, Serge Aurier of Cote d'Ivoire and Victor Wanyama of Kenya. Neither was actively involved in the game against Swansea because of the big squad and so on. And incidentally, Steve, a right-footed Christian Eriksen scored with his left foot 
while the left-footed Eric Lamella scored with his right for Tottenham. I wonder what the odds are against that happening. And on the subject, Steve, Eriksen for Tottenham and Pierre-Emile Hoberg of Southampton both scored in the 63rd minute. They're both Danish and they both were number 23. It obviously was a weekend of coincidences. Southampton beat Wigan 2-0 with Mario Lamina of Gabon playing for the full game. And this, incidentally, was Mark Hughes's first game in charge of Southampton. And should Southampton win the cup, Mark Hughes would have the unusual distinction of having been knocked out as manager of Stoke City and then winning the cup as manager of Southampton. If you're more of a pessimist, you might say that if the season ended with the league table as it is now, Mark Hughes could have managed Stoke City and Southampton, two relegated clubs. Hmm. Chelsea beat Leicester 2-1 after extra time in probably the game of the round. Victor Moses of Nigeria was prominent for Chelsea, whereas Leicester had their four Africans involved. Ndidi and Hienecio of Nigeria... Riyad Mahrez, Algeria, and Diabeti, their new player from Mali. But sadly, it wasn't the four Africans who triumphed in that game. There were only four games in the Premier League at the weekend, but Liverpool beat Watford 5-0 and Mo Salah managed to score four goals. And Salah himself has now scored more than the entire goal tally of five Premier League teams. Brighton, Burnley, Swansea... Huddersfield and West Brom, none of them have managed between them 28 goals this season, and Salah has done it himself. Isn't that remarkable? (laughs) That is absolutely incredible. So Mohamed Salah alone with more goals individually than those clubs as a whole. For me, Salah right now is doing things like Lionel Messi, although he does need to do it for more than just a season. But right now his play is simply out of this world. Well, no English Premier League this weekend. It's an international weekend with lots of friendlies taking place. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.